Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right, podcasting we are again, again. Um, so excited to be back today with a guest who I met last fall through an exhale program, um, a online, wait, did they call it a retreat? Yeah, it was I a remember now. <laughs> a six week virtual retreat that virtual. extended yes. in the election. Totally, totally. Yeah. Um, so we met through this exhale program and, um, it, that ended a while ago. Mm-hmm. And just recently I was like, okay, it's time. You got to come. Are you, are you open to coming on the podcast? So <laughs> here we are. So today's guest is Elise. She was a facilitator in the exhale retreat program that I participated in as a guest, um, which was a really interesting experience for me because I felt like partly I was exploring what are my lingering beliefs about my own abortion and like how can I get a bigger picture of this whole conversation and lots of the different ways to talk about it. So welcome. Um, I want you to introduce yourself in whatever way you feel is relevant or interesting for today for this podcast for my audience. So I'm going to let you do a little introduction. Yeah. So I'm Elise, she, her, and I am a, in my professional life, I'm a hospital chaplain. In my personal life, I'm just a regular, (laughs) regular, regular, regular girl. And I do abortion doula work. And really I'd like use that term actually just so people know that I do abortion work but I don't like walk around calling myself an abortion doula. Yeah. Um, I did a, an abortion doula training and it was really so I could be like a supportive community member. I was like, people are having children, trying not to have children in all these parts of my life. So I did a birth doula training and an abortion doula training, um, peer breastfeeding counseling trainings, all these things to just be a supportive member in my community and really in my church community because I was finding that there's all these ways that our ministers and our church were supporting people. And then when it came to um, reproductive health, just the full spectrum of it, um, people weren't getting the support that they needed, especially Mm -hmm. when it came to reproductive loss, whether it was a miscarriage or it was an abortion. Um, And so I was like, I think that we should be doing something. And I didn't know what, and I didn't have any language for it. So it all started with an interest in sex education. And I was like, we just need to figure out sex education for our, our young people. I had been doing a like uh, an AmeriCorps program. And so I worked with a number of young women, young girls, and they just didn't have sex education. I worked at the school and I was like, this is not sex education, what they did offer. So I was like, I need to yeah. figure that out. And in the midst of me trying to figure that out, I was applying to my theology program, my master's degree and learned, like kept looking up sex education and the word reproductive justice kept coming up. So I was like, what's reproductive justice. And then I told a friend that I was interested in like this 
term reproductive justice and they were like come to a training and you can learn about this with me and so i went and then it turned out to be a training for an abortion fund to be a volunteer and so i started I went to this training and didn't realize I was in a training to become a volunteer for an abortion fund. Oh my God. I thought I was just just coming to learn about reproductive justice and I just stayed. I didn't want to tell anybody, like I didn't know what I was doing there. So I just stayed for the weekend long training. And six years later, I'm still a volunteer with this abortion fund. So I volunteer with the Eastern Massachusetts abortion fund as a case manager. So connecting people to abortions. and I use the term abortion doula because in like in like my bio, if I'm preaching somewhere so that people just know there is a black woman minister who is supportive of their reproductive needs, their reproductive health needs. Um, and that does lead to people reaching out to me saying, actually, I'm having an abortion or I need an abortion. I need to figure out funding for it. I need a ride there. I need support to get um, like emotional, spiritual support for that experience. And either I'm gonna be that person for them I'm gonna, or I'm gonna connect them to the Emma Fund or um, the Boston Abortion Support Collective in Boston. Um, so that's how I use that term and that's how I came to be here. Oh, it's so good. There's like just so many good little nuggets and I had like <laughs> chills. <laughs> Um, one of the first things I became really curious about as you were talking was this connection between reproductive health and the church and where, where along the lines did that become a thing we don't talk about? Like, like, is that like privacy? Is that control? Like, what is that? Where did that really Puritan like that? We, we talk about everything except that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would have like a more academic answer for it. The simple answer is I think it is about control. It's about controlling um, people's bodies, how people's money, people's opinions to center power. Um, and I think that is a part of capitalism and capitalism through patriarchy and through white supremacy culture. And it lands heavily on um, femme people, women and women of color and immigrant women of color, um, in this country, in the United States. Um, but I think it's definitely about control and you have more control, the more you keep things secret. Um, when you keep people not talking, people don't know how many people are actually having reproductive health needs, including, and primarily around abortion. Um, so the more I talk about abortion, the more I learn. I mean, we have statistics for how many people in your in a room. One in four, one in three. Actually, I don't remember what the number is. I know. I'm always like, I've, I waver between the numbers. And I think it's actually such a huge difference. Like we need a like one in 3.5. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because when you're talking about 100 women, you're talking about is that... 30 women or is that right 20 women which is a big difference when you're in a room of 100 women right like yeah or you know any people with with wombs really is but it's a huge difference and it's a big number mm-hmm. i love this is so important you have more control when it's kept secret so today's episode we're recording on march 8th and the episode I re- released today is with a woman in Ireland talking about um, reproductive history and 
the evolution of this these secret controlling beliefs mm-hmm. um and yeah that's just like more control when it's a secret and it just becomes this evidence for so much struggle yeah oh, it's crazy that number is so important that one in four one in 3.5 people who've had an abortion because like i said the more i talk about doing this work yeah. the more people come forward about either needing to get an abortion or having had an abortion and wishing they had support for this um and that's one reason that i got specifically involved in abortion work because i like accidentally joined this uh, this abortion fund this so fantastic you're like um and i actually never told them that i think i went to a meeting like two years ago and and they were like so how did you all get involved and i was like well and i told them that i like accidentally came that is so good i just stayed for it um but one reason i got into i was like when i started the volunteering with this abortion fund i was like okay i'm going to stick it out and i need to be public about my support for abortion. I don't think it was ever a secret. I just didn't know that I should be more loud about it and the benefit of being um, so upfront and loud about that support. Um, And I said I needed to do that because I had people in my friend group and my community um, when I was a college student. So in 20, actually between, yeah, between 2009, 2013, being college, for, and friends were having abortions and they felt fine telling me about it. And they were like, yeah, can you go with me? Or, or I just offered like, what do you need? Can I ask, can I take you, um, do you need something afterward? But I had people in closer family and friends who were talking about abortions much later and felt like they couldn't talk to me about that. They were like, mm-hmm. oh, I just didn't know that I could talk to you. And I was like, why didn't you think you could tell me? And it just blew my mind, which says a lot about where we were. Cause I was like, but I'm your person. Like we're like, like this for people listening, like, um, twisted fingers. We are tight. How did you not think you could talk to me? And their answer was you're Christian. And I just assumed that if you're Christian, you wouldn't support me. And I was like, that is the exact opposite of what's going on in my mind as a person of faith. My faith informs me to be a community member, to show up for you in your time of need. Um, and to make sure you have what you need. And for me, abortion is healthcare and you need that. Like if I were to call on scripture, I would say like, Jesus wasn't asking the person with the issue of blood, like, why are you bleeding? What happened? What did you do to yourself? Jesus just healed this person. Um, there was, you don't owe an explanation. You need healthcare. I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to give it to you for free. Um, universal healthcare is my, (laughs) my goal. Um, and so I was surprised at this, that a number of people felt like I can't talk to you because you're Christian. So I was like, oh, I need to make sure that my identity as Christian is tied to a support for healthcare and healthcare through abortion. Um, well, and it's such a statement in terms of like, oh, if she's Christian and she supports abortion, what else does she support? Right. That I may like, it kind of just like shakes up your brain. Like, Oh, I can probably talk to her about, you know, my sexual preferences or my, whatever the things are. Right. It kind of like opens the door immediately. That's literally what happened. Like people are like, Oh, you're a, ta- you're a minister 
in a Baptist church or I've, I consider myself non-denominational, but attend churches that yes. are aligned with my, with my beliefs. So yeah. at a, a unit, 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 sorry, United Church of Christ Church, I go to Church of God in Christ churches, Baptist churches. Um, it's just the church that works for me in the, in the location that I'm living in. And yes, when people are like, you support abortion, what else can I talk to you about? So yes, yeah. I support people in conversations about their reproductive health, the range, whether that's having a child, having a child, not having a child, um, sex, sex for the first time, um, what kind of sex you're having, uh, and yes, and your, your gender expression, your, um, who you're attracted to. Those are all conversations that I'm down to have, whether I know what I'm talking about or not, we're talking about or not, we're going to figure it out together. And I want, um, to be a community member that's available for exploration. Yeah. I love when you, when you were talking about like sort of ending up at this training that you didn't really know you were ending up at, I was just imagining God being like, it's just, just like how my brain works. Right. And just God's like, okay, we're just going to send you here. Like, this is where you're going to land, but we're not really going to tell you what it's about until you get there. Um, it's just like, nothing happens by accident. Mm-hmm. This is just how it feels to me. It's like, okay. And there you are. And this is going to lead so I believe that to be true like I was like I remember applying to my graduate program to study theology while I was doing an AmeriCorps program I did city year and I was tutoring in a high school and I remember thinking like God where do you expect me to go what is my role as a person of faith in policy in Mm -hmm. um, spirituality like how does public health and theology or religion come together to mm. be good for for the people. Um, and that's how I ended up applying to this theology program. And when I ended up in that um, abortion fund training, I was like, this is where I'm meant to be. And it led me to take more public health courses at Boston University School of Public Health to help me think about like where, again, how do faith and healthcare come together? And I'm so grateful that I just like, let the spirit move, let the spirit lead me um and can you continue to like show up and be open even as i don't know what i'm doing or talking about because yeah. i think the community will meet me and let me know what the need is because i when i came to this work i remember thinking okay reproductive justice now i know what it means and it's about women's health and i remember being like wait i'm in a whole bunch of queer spaces that's helping me understand that reproductive justice is not just about my understanding of a, of a woman's body but about how about the needs of people who are trying to or not trying to have children and allowing them to be able to parent in ways or not parent, um, but in ways that work for them. Yeah. So it broadened my understanding of who does reproductive justice include and what is reproductive justice in the first place? Mm, so good. So um, what are some of the things you see like culturally or like, um, so maybe certain beliefs that people of Christian faith have or certain beliefs that people of certain ethnicities have or certain beliefs that like, what are some of the like intersections and like belief systems that are coming together in this topic of abortion from your perspective? Does that question even make sense? (laughs) I'm gonna make it make sense for me. 
I think when I think about abortion and coming from a Christian tradition, I mean, people talk about abortion being a sin um, that we're meant to reproduce. And this is like in particular Christian communities, because I'm in a lot of Christian communities where people are like, do what you want with your body, have children or don't have children, yeah. whatever works for you. But in some spaces it's, um, and I think that's what I, that's why I came to this is because I need to deconstruct these ideas or they weren't really my ideas in the first place. And I needed to decide like, how am I going to learn to articulate what it is I do believe? Um, cause for me growing up, I had never heard that abortion was a sin. I actually remember driving past, like, I'm assuming it was a Planned Parenthood, but I didn't know about it at the time. I was a kid and my mom was like, this is where people go when they are trying to have an abortion. They don't, they don't want to have a kid. And there was nothing more to that conversation. Yeah, I swear right. my mom like pointed that out on a drive somewhere, like just down the street and pointed out that it was convenient for people to get to. I don't know. I didn't think anything of it. So yeah, I, yeah. I remember when I started doing abortion work and people, it was actually, yeah, when I started doing abortion work and being in, um, church communities as an adult that people were like, but isn't abortion a sin and how can you support that? And I was like, I actually never heard that. Like no one ever told me that. That's why it was so shocking to have um, my friends, family friends be like, I assumed you were Christian. You didn't support abortion. Cause I was like, no one's ever said that to me. I mean, there's plenty of other things that people yeah. have said. No, but I love this. You answered the question, even though, you know, I asked it in a whatever way what I heard when you answered the question is like, a lot of us believe, so correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of us believe that the sin is the abortion itself, but there's this whole other story where part of the sin is not fulfilling your duty as a human to reproduce. Mm -hmm. Like, so I'm not a, I'm not a Christian person. So like, that's not something I would have thought of until this moment. Like, although I did just record a podcast with a woman who's part of a child, like, child-free community so it's like the pieces are coming together but that's the kind of stuff that I'm curious about like what are you seeing that like me and my audience are just not even paying attention to the the sin is not just the procedure the sin is like you're human you're a Christian it's your duty to produce God-believing citizens of the world right yeah. like Wow. Thank you for putting it that way. Because that, yes, that is, that's exactly it. I was actually just talking with, um, a colleague about, or like I was preparing for a panel and they were like, yeah. And if you ever, we were talking about the COVID vaccine and like, people are concerned about how the COVID vaccine will impact their fertility. And so they had said like, yeah, so if you want to have kids, I don't know if you plan to do that, um, that it wouldn't impact your fertility. And I was like, oh, I don't think I am planning to have children, at least not biologically. And they were like, what? And I just remember seeing everyone's face like, you don't plan to have children? And it didn't even occur to me that all of us on the panel were Christian. Yes. It was like this unnamed one, we're all, it was a weird thing that we're all Christian. And the recognition of that Christianity came up through everyone assuming I was going to have kids. And I had no intention to, at least not this time, yeah. reproduce anyone. And that was like unsettling for people. Yeah, there is. I think that is huge in our community. Like you're supposed to reproduce, not just parent. Like I could parent and be a foster parent, an adoptive parent. No, you're expected to reproduce and just have a feel a, a family with children, period. A family is not you and your partner. 
Um, family is not you and your friends. It's you and some children and preferably in a heterosexual cisgendered relationship. Um, Okay. So theologic, like, uh, okay. From a theology perspective, where does this expectation to reproduce come from? I mean, I think a lot of people cite scripture and cite, um, I don't know scripture, so you don't have to tell me. Citing citing Christian scriptures um, to be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful Um, and multiply. Okay. And so if you're not fruitfully multiplying, Mm -hmm. you are not fulfilling part of your God-given right? Humanity? I don't know. Responsibility. Responsibility. Which is so interesting because then the rest of us who don't have children um, are ir- are considered irresponsible. This is so wild. It's just like I, you it's know, really, really wild. I haven't really talked about this like yeah way before. You just kind um, of assume like the Christian belief is that there's it's just well the sin is that it's a murder of a life. Yes, I think right? that's like where that, we all stop. Yeah, we yeah. all stop there. We're like, well, that's the sin. Mm-hmm. So this is a moral issue, but there's yes. so many layers fascinating yeah and i think that the struggle people have because we talked about abortion the control of people by people's bodies is about power and and using power over people to control them um and i think that's something that frustrates people that we're choosing to be liberated and stay or for some of us liberation is not having children and it's not even about liberation like I just don't want to have a kid yeah <laughs> I don't want to have a kid right now or I don't I have I have the number of kids that I wanted or um and that is frustrating for people that you're saying no that's not for me and I'm going to choose something that works for me and my family and my body um and you don't have say over that yeah my liberation doesn't have to look like your liberation mm-hmm. mm. Okay, so I'm a white woman, you're a black woman, I am non-Christian, really non-faith-based, I'm very spiritual, but non-faith, like, organized, whatever, I don't follow a book or anything, and so, and then, so I'm a white woman, you're a black woman, what about some cultural beliefs, no, the obvious ones to me are, like, Planned Parenthood and Margaret Sanger, and, like, the, you know, reproduction in, at least American history and slavery, like there's so many belief systems um, from different, now we could probably have a woman of um, Asian descent and there'd be a whole nother cultural conversation, but like, so what are some beliefs in, um, that are popping up for black women that are different than white women? I. So that's another way that I come to this is actually, so I did another training that I also didn't realize was to be a volunteer for the organization. I did a, a doula abortion doula training. And I was like, I just want to know how to be an abortion doula so that when I'm at church or when I'm talking to my family, I can like know how to show up when they're going to an abortion. Um, and I remember being there and it was a specific, the training was geared toward um queer people of color, women of color. Um, and so we're all there and there was a few black people there. And 
I don't think we didn't really talk about abortion. One of our realizations in the in the attending this three day training, we broke out into affinity groups based on racial ethnic identity. And one thing we all were like talking about is that we don't even use the word abortion. Like other people in the group were like, and I think and also in white spaces where people are doing reproductive justice work around abortion is yeah, and another organization that everyone was like, yeah, pro-abortion and just like throwing the, even the word around. And yeah. for me and my black um, doula friends, we were like, we don't, you know, we just showed up to this because we were interested in, in it and like learning how to be a supportive, you know, friend. Um, but we don't actually talk about abortion. We hadn't, the, the four or five of us that were there. Yeah. It was like, you just took your friend, your friend needed abortion, you took them, they had it. You didn't really talk about it again. So I want to like have an answer for like, what do we think about it culturally? And I don't, cause it's not really a conversation. It took me a while to even Nate say abort abortion out loud. Um, like I do abortion work and I, and I'll show up for people, but I didn't realize that I was sensitive to even saying that word. Yeah. Um, so there's, I think there's that secrecy part, like there is power in keeping things a secret. And what do you think the secrecy, the differences, right? For those, like, where does that cultural difference come in? We just don't talk about it. I mean, I think that has to do with um, respectability politics. So there, mm -hmm. one thing that we talked about was our white friends, our white colleagues were like always talking about their sexual health, their reproductive health and felt free to, there was a freedom in talking about their bodies that yeah. we didn't have. And we realized that we don't do that because of, and we're all coming from black Christian traditions. Um, and I, and we were pursuing respectability. So we can't talk about or do things that make us less respectable because that um, puts us in an even more dangerous situation than we already are in as black women um, existing in a white supremacist society. So you can have your, what my experience is, you can have your abortion, but we're not going to talk about it because we're, we're trying to be as respectable um, in quotes as possible to protect ourselves. Um, and so that's not something that our, our white colleagues and friends and counterparts have to do in the way that we do. Um, and we can't afford to lose community. So I remember being in a, oh, another so abortion cool. space and there were white women, it was all white women. And they were like, if you need an abortion, you just got to get it. And like, if you don't have family or friends after that, then that's fine. Cause you can make new ones, something like that. And we, me and the Brown, actually, this yeah. is just people of color. The, the Brown totally. people were like, absolutely not. We need community in part. Cause that's the only people who are going to show up for us. We can't count on our white counterparts to show up for us. And often um, in this group, they are immigrants, they're people of color, there are language barriers. Our community really helps us survive situations. Um, so we're making decisions based on community. And that means that we have to pursue, it feels like we have to pursue respectability for survival. And we can't afford to lose the community that we, the, the little community that we do have um, that only has this concentrated amount of power. Um, so my mind is getting like 
right it's, it's such a white feminism thing and such a white privilege thing to be like well we just create community by being the rebels like we hey, get to do that to be a rebel because we get to create a whole new community by going against the grain but that is not an option for everyone like that is a privileged thing to be yeah. able to like oh we're just gonna speak out and go against the grain and like that alone we think I mean, I've definitely been guilty of this. Like, you know, I'm not held down by barriers and I'm not like, I just talk about whatever I want publicly. And that's like, yeah, cause we create our own new communities with that privilege. Mm -hmm. ah, it's all so wild. <laughs> I think that we are more cautious about, again, like I'm still saying people are getting them. Black women are getting abortions sure. and they're finding ways to support one another, but we're not my experience has been that we're not as public about it Wow. yeah because we can't afford to lose that community we can't afford to end it yeah that just sucks so much but i think we can look to history we have evidence of black women be like okay we're gonna join um a women's movement and we're all gonna do this stuff together and then white women with more power or whatever women with more power like okay but we can't do all the things that benefit all of us we can only do we have to sacrifice some things which is a characteristic of white supremacy culture that um we don't the the characteristic is urgency we don't have enough time to meet the needs of everyone so we're going to choose these things that benefit mostly white women or cis women heterosexual yes. women. um and so anyone outside of that gets left out and so that's one reason that we're like okay that's the thing that I want to also point out is that I know that there are women in my church community, old mothers of the church, elders, who will never say in the in the in front of the church, I support abortion, yeah. but will surely get money together to make sure one of the girls at the church right. gets the abortion that they need. They're going to get them a ride. They're going to get. They're going to make sure they have the home remedies that they need to heal their body and rest. And will, in secret, um, as a community secret support you getting your abortion but we'll never say that out loud in front of the church yeah. um and that's them trying to survive like this is the community that shows up for me maybe not for my reproductive health but in these other ways which sucks that they have to compromise in that way and it's not really a compromise they're giving up so much um yeah to be able to be in community but i know that that happens yeah so, like what identities and what narratives and what like like the difference in is safety, right? Like I can do so many more things in the world and be safe, literally. Like I just have so many nets to fall into. And so telling my story, even if I do it, is, is just like a whole different ballpark. I was just talking to um, the activist coach. Her name is Andrea Johnstone. I can link to her in the thing, show notes, but um, we were talking about anti-racism work and that urgency piece that you referenced, which, which is like, that took me a long time to wrap my head around. It's like my desire to just like, well, let's just make it happen. Let's just do it now. We'll just fix it all. We'll just get out there and jump into the world and make it happen. I was like, oh shit, that alone is part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> That, those characteristics are super helpful for breaking down what's happening, like the individual individualism characteristic, where we people of color in this in these um, 
uh, RJ spaces are like, no, we need community. We need our people. And our white counterparts were like, no, I'm going to leave my family. I'm going to leave my friend group. I'm going to leave my church um, so I can, you know, have my abortion or whatever it is that needs to be done. And I think, oh my gosh, I moved to Boston um, and I remember not being able to find community and I joined a black church just to find other black people, other people of color that I could connect with. If I left, it, I that was the only place I could find other people of color to be around, to be in community with. Um, and if I left that, I and I and I have, I've separated from some churches because I'm like, we're not, <laughs> we're not on the same page and your theology is harmful to me and to the people I love um, and the people I love that I don't know. And so I'm gonna leave that. And that's been really challenging to rebuild community. Um, and that's something that people of color, again, and if we do have an intersectional approach that that is incredibly difficult for some of us because we don't have that power, that social, political, cultural capital that our white counterparts do have. And that shows up in abortion. Wow. Wow. It's just like such expansive work to wrap your head around all of it. And it's messy. It's very messy work. Very and so messy. I appreciate when we in RJ spaces make time for the messiness, because then we're resisting white supremacy culture and urgency and individualism. We're saying we're a community and a community has time to think about the things that are harmful to you and um, addressing that to make sure this is a, a secure enough space for you to show up and be your full self. Not that injuries aren't gonna happen, not that harm won't happen, cause it will, um, but we're gonna take the time to figure out where that harm is and hold ourselves and each other accountable. Yeah, mm. work together. Wow, that's beautiful. One of the things I really appreciated about the exhale retreat speaks directly to this and my own, you know, tendencies, because I felt like <clears throat> the space that exhale creates and even that retreat just move at a much slower community-based pace. And I'm like, let's dig in let's go right to the heart of it let's just like push out there and say what we need to say and so one of the things i benefited from so much in participating in that retreat was just that slowing down slowing down because it's just so much my way i mean it's part of it is cultural part of it is like my whiteness part of it is just my personality like but i'm just very like Let's go in, let's do it fast. Let's make it happen. Um, and it's noticing, like it doesn't make me wrong. It doesn't make that right. It's just like, now that if I'm willing to see it all, then what do I want to do? Like, sometimes I do want to slow down and sometimes I do want to keep my pace. Like, mm -hmm. it's just like, what feels true and right and in service to the most people? Sometimes it's in service to the most people to go fast. Sometimes it's in service to the most people to just slow down and breathe and listen. Um, and as you're saying that and like thinking about how the exhale retreat speaks to that, yes, because we did have group work that we did. We had these circles that met weekly. 
We also had the sessions that were recorded, um, these practices that we offered where each um, facilitator, healer um, who helped make this retreat happen offered a session around body work, around meditation, um, things like that. Um, but we also offered one-on-one so that people could move at their own pace. Yeah. Like if the yeah. group is moving too slowly or too quickly, you can have a one-on-one yeah. and do something with Elise or M or Susan yeah. or whoever mm-hmm. was a facilitator. And then you have these recordings that you can come back to later to do yoga, to do um, stretching, to do meditation, but they were all meant to be able to move at your pace, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah, it was a beautiful experience. Really, really well put together. And I hope, are they, have they run it again since? I don't think I know. I haven't run it again since. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was beautiful for me too. And I think like we, I'm so grateful that participants felt good about it because we were also learning as facilitators. We were also like dealing with messiness, trying to slow down to make sure that we were getting to the needs of the people who are coming, but also for ourselves. So we wanted to provide care at every level. And I think that's something that also gets missed in organizing work. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, that we don't make sure there's care at every level. We're like, we're going to provide care to people who are seeking abortions, but not to the people who are providing care to the people who are getting abortions whether that's the provider or that's the doer that shows up. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful that um, yeah. Susan, who, who got us all together, was like, we're going to slow down and we're going to make sure that our needs are met as healers so that we can practice what we're encouraging participants to practice. Yeah, it's amazing. So good. Yeah. Um, Right. I, I never know where these podcasts are going to lead when we start. I'm like, we'll just hit record and see what happens. <laughs> Is there anything that you came to the show wanting to share with the audience or just like since talking? Is there anything that comes up that you feel like you're called to say right now? Or um, what feels next for you? Like, what do you feel like needs to be said or shared? Just as I'm reflecting, I think I'm realizing how um, good it was for me in body and spirit to um, to just try, to try something without knowing. Like I just mm. tried this abortion doula training that I thought was a, just a lecture on reproductive justice. Yeah. Um, just tried the abortion doula training. Wait, so the abortion funds training was the yeah. one that I went to mm-hmm. thinking I was learning about reproductive justice and became a volunteer for the Emma fund and then an abortion doula training where I was like oh I'm just gonna learn this and like take it back to my community to to my network and they were like now you can join our group um and all of that opened me up so much mm-hmm. um and I didn't know what I was doing and I think that is also a characteristic of white supremacy culture is to like be perfect and to know what you're doing at all times yeah. And that holds us back. Yeah. For me, I feel I felt so free to be like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I know there's a need that needs to be met in my community. And I'm realizing now it needs to be met in me too. That mm-hmm. I, all of this is about me deconstructing white supremacy in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and like acknowledging the violence that that is, that white supremacy is in my body, in my mind, in my spirit, um, in my practice of community care in um, spiritual care as a chaplain. So I guess I want people to leave being like, 
this girl didn't know what she was doing and she turned out all right. <laughs> I should try doing stuff that I don't know. You know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I care enough that I'm willing to mess up and to mess up with people and be held accountable um, and hold others accountable, but in love. Yeah. I feel like people held me accountable in love. They were like, I know that you think that reproductive justice is about cisgendered heterosexual women, but it's about all of us. And I was like, shoot, I didn't know that. Thanks for letting me know. <laughs> and sometimes that's uncomfortable. Um to, to mess up and to know that your mess up was harmful to someone. Um, but what's more harmful is to be like, I harmed someone and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna learn how to do something different. So. Yeah. I think that one of the gifts of abortion is that for those of us who experience it this way, and some people just have abortions and they move on. It's just like not even a second thought. Yes. But for those of us who experience it, in this way, it can be really raw and vulnerable and open and ugly and messy, right? And so as I'm hearing you talk about sort of just following the curiosity, right? Like you were curious about reproductive justice. And so it led you to this thing. And then that curiosity led you to say, hey, I'll try this on. And, and so I think when we have abortions, and I always say abortion is just a door. This could happen to you through cancer or car accident or the loss of a, a living, you know, a seven-year-old or whatever. But it brings us to such a deep, raw, vulnerable place that from there, we can follow a really different authentic curiosity than we can without that like being stripped away. I mean, we're not actually stripped away, but it feels like that. Like we're so raw and open. And if we choose to just keep showing up and following our curiosity, we can land in a much more beautiful place than if we were never raw and open and vulnerable at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And I, I, yes. And vulnerability, I, I also want to acknowledge that vulnerability is scary. And I know that we're doing things again to protect ourselves. Yeah. And so as you're following your curiosity, um, yeah, to trust yourself, like think about where things are safe for you and are not. Um, and hopefully community, spirit, goddess, whatever you call on meets you. Um, I think I consistently find that community does find me that goddess spirit the universe the elements they yeah. all meet me um they continue to meet me and sometimes it it hurts getting there yeah but... and they might not meet you the way you thought they were going to right yeah. yes yeah mm, so good well thank you so much for this conversation and um yeah just so good so much more to come I'm so grateful that we got to reconnect here. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right. Have a good afternoon. And I'm sure this will be listened to many, many, many times over. Bye. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, 
head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.